Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the October edition of One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program. This is the only monthly compliance program focusing on a different subject, taking a deep dive so that it will help you have a more effective compliance program. This month, I will be talking about One Month to More Effective Compliance for Business Ventures. But first, a word from this month's sponsor, the Volkoff Law Group. Hi, I'm Mike Volkoff of the Volkoff Law Group and proud sponsor of this month's podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested in the company, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. The Volkoff Law Group specializes in corporate compliance, internal investigations, and white-collar defense. We are your partners in our joint mission of building an effective ethical culture for your company. Our 10 years experience shows that business cultures can change. We are committed to work with you to achieve an ethical culture in your company. We address your company's anti-corruption, antitrust, trade and sanctions, anti-money laundering, and other regulatory and legal risks. We do this through practical guidance that your company can easily implement. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series of the same name. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals. Thank you, Michael. In this month's series, we will take a look at the role of compliance in mergers and acquisitions, the role of compliance in joint ventures, in joint venture agreements, distributorships, franchises, teaming agreements, partnerships, as well as other types of business relationships. At the end of October, you have an excellent grounding in what you need to do for a business venture under the FCPA. My one-month series of One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program running through 2017 is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 11, Joint Venture Risks under the FCPA. Just as the FCPA enforcement field is covered with actions around mergers and acquisitions, there are multiple FCPA enforcement actions involving joint ventures. Joint ventures continue to plague many U.S. companies up until this day. In many ways, joint ventures present more difficult issues for the compliance practitioner than mergers and acquisitions because of the control issues present, which requires joint ventures and foreign companies, foreign countries, or state-owned enterprises to comply with the FCPA. Obviously, joint ventures can provide a variety of benefits to a company desiring to enter an international market. Some of the benefits can include satisfying a local content or local partner requirement, a method of international expansion <clears throat> under which outside investors benefit from the knowledge of local firms while retaining some operational and strategic control over the enterprise. 
all with a lower overall cost for resources and integration that are required through traditional corporate merger. Yet these same benefits can bring significant FCPA risk. Compliance expert Mike Volkoff has noted that when you create a JV, there are a number of issues you have to analyze. First is the requirement of adequate due diligence. This is can be more difficult than in a traditional merger. Next are governance issues surrounding the control of the joint venture. If your JV partner is a state-owned enterprise, these issues become even more complex. The interactions between the company and the state-owned enterprise within the joint venture itself should be regulated so that they are not perceived as intended to improperly influence the state-owned enterprise, either directly or in other areas of interaction. Even if a joint venture involves a private as opposed to state-owned partner, the compliance issue becomes the controlling actions of the joint venture salespeople, joint venture staff responsible for regulatory interactions, and the joint ventures retain third-party agents and distributors. A new joint venture creates a risk for the company subject to the FCPA. In the joint venture context, the company by definition has less control. As a result, these issues need to be addressed in the formation of the JV. The issue becomes even more difficult when the company entering the joint venture has less than 50% control. An issue with a minority and issuer with a minority stake in another entity is required to proceed in good faith to use its influence to the extent reasonable under the issuer's circumstances to cause the entity to comply with the accounting provisions of the FCPA. Pertinent circumstances include the relative degree of the issuer's ownership, the laws and practices governing the business operations of the country in question in which the entity is located. As early as 2002, the SEC brought a FCPA enforcement action regarding joint ventures. This was the involved Bell South and its Nicaraguan subsidiary, Telefonia. It was a Nicaraguan company that ceded operational control to an indirect wholly owned Bell South subsidiary. Relying on the FCPA's good faith influence requirement for an issue or holding a minority stake in another entity, the SEC alleged that Bell South held less than 50% of the voting power in Telefonia, but through operational control had the ability to cause Telefonia to comply with the FCPA's books and records and internal controls provisions. There are multiple types of FCPA liability for the actions of a joint venture in which it is a partner. These can include direct liability, such as we saw with Halliburton and his former subsidiary, KBR, in the TSJK joint venture involving bribery and corruption in Nigeria. Halliburton paid a penalty of FCPA penalty of $579 million to the United States and an additional $25 million to the Nicaraguan, excuse me, Nigerian government for the actions of its subsidiary. In addition to the traditional direct liability, joint ventures can also be a source of vicarious liability. A business entity may, depending on the circumstances, be held vicariously liable for FCPA violations committed by a joint venture, a joint venture partner, or an agent acting on behalf of the joint venture. Vicarious liability traditionally applies in situations where a business entity authorized, directed, or controlled acts that violate the FCPA's anti-bribery provisions. It can also violate the accounting provisions around keeping accurate books and records and effective internal controls. This was a situation involving the U.S. company Anheuser-Busch InBev, where the company paid a $6 million fine to settle charges that its Indian subsidiary had violated the FCPA and 
also a um, discriminated against a whistleblower who had reported the misconduct. So what are some of the other risks a company needs to try to avoid? Well, these include the transfer of things of value to a state-owned enterprise for the benefit of someone outside the joint venture. A company must avoid payments for which there is no legitimate business purpose to the state-owned enterprise in the joint venture itself, as they will be deemed illegal payments to the state-owned enterprise outside the joint venture. In this case, the JV becomes a vehicle vehicle by which to disguise bribery payments for the benefits of those outside the joint venture. Any joint venture which operates with a foreign government or state-owned enterprise holds the same risk, (coughs) FCPA risk, as the joint venture partner itself, and this risk become apparent relating to the operation of the JV. This means that if a joint venture interacts with a foreign government official or those from uh, employees or officials from a state-owned enterprise and leverages its state-owned enterprise relationships for an improper benefit, either through contracts and or regulatory licenses, permits, or customs approvals, it could be well be subject to FCPA scrutiny. Unfortunately, it's not often... It is often difficult to regulate a joint venture's interactions with foreign government officials, particularly when your partner is a state-owned enterprise, or where the company is relying upon the local company for its local contacts and expertise for business development and or regulatory knowledge and expertise. The bottom line is that the joint venture presents a unique set of FCPA risks for the compliance practitioner. You will need to incorporate risk management techniques in all phases of your JV operation. These include pre-formation, the joint venture agreement itself, and certainly operations after the joint venture has been formed. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, joint ventures present unique FCPA risks. Number two, control is only one issue a compliance practitioner must consider when evaluating joint venture risk. Remember, you don't have to have majority control to be liable under a joint venture. And indeed, the SEC has opined that that control might go down to 20%. Number three, companies can continue to have significant FCPA risk from joint ventures. 2016 brought us several FCPA enforcement actions around joint ventures, So it's important that you have a robust FCPA risk management strategy in place for your joint ventures going forward. This is Tom Fox. I hope you have enjoyed day 11 of one month to more effective compliance for business ventures, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day 12. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to More Effective Compliance for Business Ventures, and I hope you will join me again. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the podcast as it would help in our rankings and help get the word out about the only daily podcast which will bring you a more effective compliance program. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Once again, thanks to this month's sponsor, Mike Volkoff at the Volkoff Law Group. The podcast series, One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Please join us again.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.